you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. It's Roger. And it's a changing world out there. And as we emerge from the pandemic, you know, new technologies are going to help us run a stronger, more efficient, more profitable and productive restaurant business. Now, what about the challenges and pain points that we're experiencing? You know, certainly third party delivery fees take a large chunk out of the bottom line. You know, we're interested in faster table turns, increased check averages. You certainly got my attention on those two. Now, I'm speaking with Mr. John Squire this week, and he is the CEO of a company called Card Free, which is an all-in-one platform that simplifies the ordering and the payment process with contactless technology. Yes, contactless technology and safety will continue to be the new normal in your restaurant. But we're going to be talking about how this platform, you know, gives you a pay at the table option. You're able to split checks. The customers can do all this thing, all these things at the table, of course, which allows your service staff to serve the customer better, more efficiently, give them greater service. Got my attention again. No new hardware required integrates with most POS systems, all these things are great. But let's talk about an increased loyalty and repeat business, super important in your restaurant. So don't miss this episode, it's a good one. John Squire of Card Free. And thanks to this week's sponsor, the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Guys, I've always believed in systems to run a really effective restaurant. They say you have a system, if you can walk away and leave your place for a day, a week, or a month, and it's just as successful just as profitable when you return, if not more so. Now, the staff are really the foundation of this, and it all comes down to the word empowerment. You know, if you've got really great people and if you can develop those people to have your back and to run it as if they owned it, treat everything as if they had to pay for it, that's a super powerful system. Once you have the staff in place, it really comes down to three things. It comes down to, one, staff training. Development, recognition, and rewards to create what I call your dream team. How to empower your team to think and act like owners and to treat everything as if they owned it and had to pay for it. And to deliver amazing guest service experiences to your customers. To serve and sell because sales are the lifeblood of your business. Not allowing order takers on the floor, but teaching everyone to recognize opportunities and make suggestions that we know the customers will enjoy and appreciate. It all comes down to training, training, training. Number two, cost controls and maximizing profit. You need to know your critical financial numbers on a weekly basis, and it only takes 10 minutes, but you need to understand these things. How about your daily break-even? How much it costs you to open the doors to your restaurant each day? Inventory is not just walking around and figuring out what your order is that week. It's knowing the true value of your goods on hand at any given point in time. And you need this information to be able to calculate your true food and beverage costs. Your labor costs are also important. And running a weekly labor analysis against sales. If you know these things, I can teach you 
how to maximize your profit and control your costs. And then number three is what I call marketing firepower and affinity. You know, affinity is defined as a really powerful sense of loyalty and belonging where your customers become raving fans and they're like an army of brand ambassadors spreading the word for your restaurant. Well, all of this is included in the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. If you really want to take your restaurant to the next level, post-pandemic, things are heating up, customers are coming back, Now's the time to really maximize your opportunities, maximize your sales and profits, and create that dream team staff. Check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. It's the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. As you know, these are engaging topics that help restaurants rock their profits, build their brands, deliver amazing guest service experiences. And that latter point really plays in with today's guest. I'm speaking with the CEO of a company called Card Free, Mr. John Squire. Welcome to the podcast today, John. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for having us. So you have an all-in-one platform that literally simplifies the ordering process multiple ways. It has a delivery piece to it. It's got a contactless, touchless piece to it. It's a really beautiful thing. So we're going to be talking all about that. But before we do, I'd love to know if you have a hospitality backstory, if you ever worked at a restaurant as a young person, and what that meant to you, what you learned along the way, and literally what your career has been that led you to become CEO of Card Free. Sure. Um, Yeah, I guess you could call it a restaurant, but it'd be a bit of a stretch. It was the halfway house at a a golf course I grew up caddying at, uh, essentially flipping burgers and making hot dogs, but uh, knowing there was a better way to serve folks. That fits. Um, and, And... and then from there, largely born out of frustration for um, folks in the in the restaurant industry not having the same tools that people did in fintech or whatever the world would be. So uh, our early endeavors into this were, were with Starbucks about, gosh, almost 20 years ago uh, when we did the original Starbucks car- card mobile offering. And that was, again, largely born out of, can't somebody do, do this better? And why are the carriers and some of the other people that aren't relevant to this equation? and sort of stuck in the middle of consumer and the restaurant experience. Uh, again, to your point, sort of a, a one-stop offering for our, our merchant partners. Let me hold on one second, John. I'm just going to... Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. And as you know, these are engaging topics that help restaurants rock their profits, build their brands, deliver amazing guest service experiences. And playing right into that is today's guest, Mr. John Squire. He's the CEO of Card Free. And Card Free is really interesting in that it is all-in-one platform that simplifies the ordering and delivery process. We're talking about contactless payment, lots of conveniences for your customer that's so appropriate as we move out of the pandemic and into the new normal in the future. So welcome to the show today, John. Really happy to have you here. Thank you, Roger. Great to be here. John, I understand you worked at a country club as a young person, and that was your sort of baptism by fire into the hospitality industry. Tell us a little bit about that experience and what you might have learned and what you liked about the industry or didn't like about the industry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I grew up catting. uh, And so in between uh, routes or routes, we would um, usually the halfway house and help out there for a couple hours each day and then wind up there at the end of the day serving people sort of after hour cocktails and things. And and it just seemed like there was probably a better way to run things than what we were doing and having a bunch of teenagers that were ill-informed. And from there went to a whole host of different retail experiences, all local and and very much uh, individualized. But uh, yeah, our, our, our sort of growth to get here was largely born out of can't we do things better and can't we provide better tools to folks that are in this space that have very limited time and 
uh, probably limited background as to how to implement those and help them with efficiencies of running their operations. We have something in common. My very first job was a dishwasher at a country club, and it was a private club just up the street from where I lived, which was really convenient. But the best part about that was three months into the dishwashing gig, they saw something in me and they promoted me to bartender. And that's when I really started to make the money. (laughs) So, you know, that's really where I learned the basics of hospitality and how to serve people and treat people, you know, with importance and recognize them and acknowledge them and all that. So that was a really good gig. But who would have known that, you know, so many years later, 40, 50 years later, I'd be still in the restaurant business. But anyway, thanks for sharing your story. Let's talk about the pandemic, uh, John. How have you seen the pandemic change how restaurants have done business, and how do you see that moving forward into the future? Yeah, so I mean, I think in the in the first, let's say, three months, and we're based in California, so it was to the extreme in some regards. Um, but in the first three months, there was really this uh, scratching of a head: Do we close temporarily? Do we try to limp along with delivery? Um, you know. It, particularly when you get to sort of the high touch restaurants that were used to having the, the literally the touching be part of the experience. And for a lot of folks that were hesitant pre COVID um, folks in the restaurant space about things like our technology and what it could provide to them as far as efficiencies, it in a lot of ways became the way to survive uh, during that, which was moving to like letting folks control their destiny via their phone, whether it be paying, whether it be ordering at the table, whether it be, uh, text to pay, checking in when they got curbside. And so we saw a lot of folks sort of come up with hybrid models, which are how do we keep uh, as much of the staff as we can retain efficiently? And how do we serve our local loyal customers without losing them? And how do we essentially stay open and make it so at least if we're you know, not profitable, we're breaking even in some regards. Um, so we saw a lot of that shift. And I think now what's interesting is we're seeing a lot of it likely stay. Even though things are starting to open up, folks are realizing this wasn't such a bad thing, putting technology in the middle of, of a lot of this. It actually helps with things like turn, helps with the, the sort of what we're seeing, obviously, is a lot of staffing needs that can't be satisfied right now as things start to reopen. So it helps with a lot of that as well, like putting the control back in the consumer's hands of being able to order, being able to close their tab whenever it would be, is minimizing what that potential frustration would be of worse, you know. Joe, my server hasn't been back in 20 minutes. You know, that that really strikes a lot of different chords with operators right now. And this pandemic, of course, created lots of opportunities for tech companies to do things in a better way. I didn't ask you when you actually started Card Free and was this, I see the need, you know, this is a vision for the future and we it was an opportunity you recognized and then you started the company or were you ramping up pre-pandemic and the timing just was a perfect storm for you? Like, tell us the timeline. Yeah. We've been at it for nine years, um, and, and we started with order head loyalty and a payments focus, uh, largely born out of our experience at Starbucks, um, and then morphing into Dunkin', so large sort of enterprise solutions. And um, the contact-free stuff we started working on about two and a half years ago, so about a year and a half pre-COVID, um, and believe it or not, I mean, now looking back on it, it's kind of funny, but it, it didn't, at the time, there was a lot of resistance to, oh, I'd rather have something that's touchable on the table, like a kiosk or a tablet, and then COVID hit, and everybody was like, I don't think we need another substance for people to be uh, touching that's not their own. True. So we were, we were in a good position in that, you know, we've been doing this for so many years and at such a, a level of volume that coming down market and essentially taking the, the profits we had earned from the larger guys, the Dunkins and the Starbucks of the world, 
and applying that to the lower um, sort of SMB side during the pandemic was a great thing for us. Our, our team sort of hit the pause button when this all started in March of uh, the March of 2020, I guess it was, um, and said, what can we do to help? Let's make our tools that we built for enterprise available for local uh, individuals. And so we took about two or three months and, and created a lot of the self-service tools, but all the other underlying cores of the platform had been in place. Now, I've been to your website, and I've got a pretty good idea of the different mobile platforms and services that you offer. Is it on an a la carte basis, or is it an all-inclusive package? And then I'd like to cover each individual piece of your model. I know you've got mobile ordering, and you've got digital menus, and you've got the contactless payments and all this kind of stuff. A customer can literally pay at the table through their own device. I mean, there's lots of technology here. Tell me, is it a la carte, or is it all-inclusive? A la carte, a la carte. And most most people start with you know a little bite size to sort of again keep the lights on for that day or week. Um, things like text to pay, which we can deploy in hours, uh, and then they graduate into things like order ahead and and things that take you know as you know being from the space a little more complexity around menu management and, and everything that comes with that. And same with loyalty because loyalty can be a very complex scenario depending on what you want to roll out. But yeah, it's pick and choose. Get to know us. Get comfortable with us. However, we can help, and then we go from there. Let's talk about the mobile ordering piece. Is that QR code based? Is there different technologies? How does that work? Sure. Well, there's above store and in store, right? So uh, typical order ahead before pre-COVID was really largely above store, which was, you know, me either surfing via mobile web or an application, ordering a, a Torchy's taco, showing up, picking up, going. Um, we had started rolling out order at the table, which was largely QR based, but can also be NFC technology, near field communication. Uh, probably about six months prior to COVID. Again, there was a little resistance to it from an operational standpoint. This is going to change the way we interact. This is, you know, having runners run stuff over from the bar, whatever it would be. Um, we saw that actually go through the roof, obviously, during COVID. And that is right. more of a, an interaction with the consumer and something on the table, whether it be a menu, whether it be a, you know, tent, a table tent or an embedded, you know, sticker on the table, firing off the menu opening up and adding to the, an open order or uh, simply closing an order and paying. In a lot of use cases, though, it's that it's that second bite at the apple for the operators, which is, I've got you seated. I know, I've got, again, a staffing issue. You probably got 20 minutes of downtime before you're going to see anything brought over your table. Let them throw open another, you know, martini or whatever it would be to, to come back to the table. So above store and then the in-store stuff is really QR to NFC based. Okay. Let's talk about the digital menus. Do you actually create those for customers? Do you have that, um, you know, you have graphics people, you've got help, you know, people that'll help design a superstar menu. That's also digitally that that's optimized for obviously uh, mobile devices and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, luckily again, with our history, we had sort of been foundationally, we were a mobile forward company. So everything we did was app and mobile web based. Um, so we built tools for uh, as, as much handholding or as little handholding as, as the customer needs. Uh, we're in a pilot program with Coca-Cola right now where they're going out to, you know, one to five locations. And in that case, we will literally ingest the menu any way they can give it to us. So it can be a picture from their phone. It can be a PDF. It can be as easy as like writing something on a piece of paper and faxing it to us. And then, you know, we have a staff that will upload that and uh, essentially digitize it for, on their behalf. 
you know, a long time ago, maybe years ago, I started seeing these digital kiosks in airports because I used to travel pre-pandemic a lot. And this might have been five, six, seven years ago. And obviously, the speed factor is so important when someone needs to catch a plane. You know, they don't rely on a server to get to their table and do all that sort of thing. So you got a kiosk in front of you and you're just like tapping buttons. Yeah, this looks good. I'll take the Caesar salad. I'll take a martini, whatever this, you know, sirloin steak kind of thing. It sort of lost the personal touch because when people go out to restaurants, they really like to interact with the staff. Your technology doesn't remove the personal touch. It just adds the convenience. So I, what, from what I see, I can, as a customer, I can order remotely or I can order right at the table and just keep adding things. Oh, I feel like another glass of wine. That was really good. All of this or, oh, let me try the Chardonnay this time. I mean, you could do all that stuff without actually having a server take those orders. So what you're seeing is it's actually increasing impulse sales and raising check averages, which I think is tremendous. Raising check, I think minimizing, again, the frustration of even pre-COVID, right? Folks would get in a situation where whatever their local restaurant would be super busy and you're lucky to see your server every 15 minutes. Now it's right, stretched right. out 20, 25 minutes. Um, so you've got that component. And then you've also got, to your point, average check goes up, but turns going up and tip has gone up tremendously. And part of that is sympathy for what's going on in the industry during COVID. We get that, but we've mm-hmm. seen an average of 6 to 8% increase in tip um, just by introducing these technologies, which has been phenomenal. So the staff love that, of course. So it's less, um, well, there's so many details to running a restaurant. They can serve their customers better. Uh, The customer's actually taking on more of the experience themselves, but still getting the personal interaction. Let's talk about some of the I wouldn't say challenging, but some of the trickier things when you're training a new server on a new point of sale system pre-COVID, you know, there's the split check function and the add this and remove that and take this off my tab and put it on this tab. And I know that that's part of your technology. Do you make it really super user-friendly for the customer to do all these different functions from their phone or a tablet if they're carrying it around and you're in the restaurant? Yeah, I'd like to think that's where we kind of... flourish, frankly, just because we've been through so much of this on such a historical yeah. level. Um, everything we do, it should be pointed out, doesn't need to be a new point of sale. Actually, one of the things we take upon ourselves is to integrate to the point of sale you've already got in place to Great. minimize that friction, right? So we don't want to have to introduce anything new at the point of sale if we don't have to. We do have a stand aside, should that be the, the sort of worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, things like split the check, all that stuff is happening within the app and you know, happy to take you through it, but it is about as easy as it gets and as seamless as it gets. And if one of the party wants to pay with cash or doesn't want to be part of the digital experience, they can absolutely do that. Um, and then we fire that round trip back to the point of sale, which usually spits out a ticket, um, which says this bill's been closed and it's it's super clear. Um, you know, in the early days, we had some folks that would be literally running down the street, check, change, chasing somebody with their check saying, you didn't pay, you didn't pay. And they were like, I paid with mobile, look at it. Um, so we figured out all the nuances around sort of alerting systems. We've actually got a pilot program going out right now where the the servers are wearing a wearable function where it can actually send a message to the watch and let them know checks been paid at table 554, whatever it would be. So, you know, you sort like of that. as you go, but you really have to sort of make this as easy operationally as possible, or as you know, it just won't survive. You mentioned point of sale integration. So obviously you work with all the major systems out there and it's seemingly new ones being added all the time. Is it a challenge to connect to a new system or is it simply it's in their best interest to work with you, integrate with you and some tech people behind the scenes, press a few buttons and bang, now you're working with Toast and, you know, all the other systems. Is it, tell me about that process. 
I'd be lying if I said that's not the most most frustrating part of what we do. Um, and even if even if it's a giant brand telling the point of sale to work with us, they all think of themselves as software providers as well. So yeah, I'm sure you know as being in the space, but um, it is absolutely the most challenging part of what we do because we've been doing it again for years and we have all the major ones done. You would think it would get a little easier. And, and yes, you've seen this proliferation of cloud-based point of sales, um, but even those folks, and you probably know who I'm talking about, oh, some yeah. of them We're gonna get into that. <laughs> very recently, right? So they, they started with touting, I'm an open system, I'm a cloud-based system. And the second COVID hit, they're like, no, wait a minute, we're closing this all back down. So it really is a push and pull, push and pull, and it takes a lot of patience and a lot of delicacy. There, there's still some like par, hands off to those guys. And, on the bigger side that have been very open and believe in the open ecosystem, but vast majority square has been great too. Um, and, uh, Clover as well. We have a great relationship with Clover, but, um, it, it's very much case by case. We have a partnership with some other folks. Should it be a one-off that just doesn't make a ton of sense that we will go through that have done some of the more historical ones, but the point of sale is, uh, there's a reason I think the acronym is POS. <laughs> That's funny. So, you're working, obviously, you've got experts on the tech side, but you also have experts on the hospitality side. And seemingly, you're thinking of everything that an operator is going to go through. And this has been tested numerous times, upside down and backwards. You've gotten feedback over the course of nine plus years. So it's seemingly turnkey for an operator to say, hey, this sounds great. I need this. What's the push the button and it's go time? Like, what's the timeline for somebody contacts you know, card free and says, I like what I hear in the podcast. I'm interested. I know you've got a free demo. We're going to talk about your URL. But if someone pulls the trigger and says, I want A, B, C, D, E, and F, how long before they're up and running and comfortable with the technology and actually you, you, utilizing it effectively in the restaurant? So the fastest to market are obviously things like text to pay, pay at the tables pretty quick too. If we have a point of sale integration already established, which 90% of the time we do, uh, it's hours to days. Uh, when you get to things like order ahead, if it's mobile web, so obviously not application driven, but still mobile um, user interface friendly, um, that's days to weeks. If it's an application, uh, that's usually a couple weeks uh, just because of QA and all the other things we have to go through, menu ingestion. There's always a, a certain level of customization around branding and everything else. Now, if you pile in loyalty, um, that can add weeks or it can add months. What most people um, tend to unfortunately get sucked into with loyalty is, you know, trying to create a completely unique program, which um, can lead to a lot of thrashing. So it's, it's really what you're of that a la carte menu, what you're looking to deploy and what you've got in place. Um, but yeah, usually days to, to months max, not, not years as the bigger projects were in the early days, but uh you know, if it's efficiency of just getting something out there for with order ahead, basic loyalty, and, you know, some of the text-to-pay contact-free stuff, weeks, weeks max. The loyalty piece is something that's important to every operator. So let's really right. zero in on that. So double the loyalty through these programs. I understand that you can customize something to a restaurant, but you also have existing templates for loyalty programs that you can immediately integrate. Am I correct in saying that? That's right. Yeah. For each vertical, so we're, we actually do some stuff outside of, I guess, what you within hospitality, but not, you know, directly to the individual restaurant. So we do some stuff at theme parks. We do some stuff in hotels. Um, so each one of those verticals have a, a nuance as far as what loyalty is and how it's being driven. But yes, we have 
templates that can be obviously very much coffee oriented, right? Buy now and get the tenth free. Um, you can do it based on spend. You can do it based on um, tying back into sort of a Coke relationship, some sort of co-brand loyalty. Um, so there's a whole host of different choices. It's when you get to like the the crazy algorithms of I, I want to you know know that John's a spicy food lover. I've got the queso taco coming with extra jalapeno. I should be able to solicit him for the spicy loyalty program. That it gets very complex. So if we were to go back in time five years ago, my flagship restaurant had a loyalty program that integrated with our POS system. And they were like MagStripe cards. You know, We passed these out to our best customers and then we could track their spending. We rewarded people for frequent spending. Our point of sale was sort of programmed to randomly award prizes to these people that held these cards. Like they'd walk in and, you know, they'd hand it to a server, a bartender, it'd get swiped through the POS and suddenly, you know, it would print out a ticket. Oh, you just won a prize, blah, blah, blah. And that was a whole cool loyalty program for us. I'm sure technology has moved light years past what I'm talking about, but I love the fact that there's analytics tracking with this. Can you describe your analytics and what you can actually track? Yeah, the guy who actually runs our analytics and our CTO uh, both came from Starbucks and were sort of the masters of looking at, hey, if you buy a, a, a latte with soy, you're 10 times more likely to buy the, the candy color lollipop um, that they sell or forget what they're called. But um, and so we, we were dogmatic about setting up a program that, again, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface on. What's really interesting about what we're starting to see is our technology, again, above store, in store is becoming one. So we're, we're seeing 100% of transactions throw, flow through us. And we get that down to the SKU level on each use case. So we can start doing things where uh, we see their basket as X, Y, and Z, but and we know that you know, A, B, and C are paired very well with X, Y, and Z. Why not solicit them before they check out for that? Or uh, we know that this person tends to get stuff to go, but they're actually eating in at Lazy Dog this week. Why don't we solicit them for a basket to go for whoever it is they usually get, their kids or whoever? Um, same with like a Torchy's Tacos, right? It's, it's, it's looking at, again, that flavor profile and creating an offer, not necessarily loyalty straight up, but creating an offer that would make sense because we know they've either purchased it in the past or they might have a tendency to because they liked this particular margarita or whatever it would be. But what's interesting with a lot of these folks is their data analysis um, and working with our team is they're very light-handed right now as far as marketing staff and somebody being able to do this. So we can go as deep as just setting up pre-programmed analytics that say, you know, based on weather, based on temperature, here's like the 15 things you want to add up. Or we can actually create programs on the fly working with the gentleman I mentioned who came from Starbucks to sort of augment their marketing team and create. Um, and in a lot of cases, this is what we do. We become sort of their technical partner and their technical team to sort of outsource this stuff to and run programs and then come back with the data and say, look, your, your sales increased by 27% because we were able to upsell X, Y, and Z. That's beautiful. And I love that fact that, you know, the increased check averages, of course, and I think your statistics say something like an average of 30% increase is what you're seeing in check averages, but you're turning tables faster with this technology, right? The whole point of a restaurant... I used to say this, get them in, get them out, and give them a great experience in between. And restaurants are really frustrated with people that take up lots of time at a table because they can't continue to serve. And in busy restaurants, when people are waiting, then there's a frustration with that customer. So this just totally smooths the way from what I can see, which is awesome. Yeah, we'd like to think so. Uh, so far, so good. I think we're going to see even more of it going forward as far as um, adding on to that again, ability for the consumer to control the experience, but not be completely out of the brand, right? Um, it's, just, it's just an augmentation to what was going on before. 
So the pandemic, of course, created a whole new opportunity. Not that this is a new category by any means. I mean, successful restaurants have been delivering forever, right? But the full-serve sit-down restaurant that suddenly had to pivot on a dime and say, uh-oh, I can no longer serve my customers. If I want to survive, I suddenly have to come up with a way of getting my food out the door, you know, contactless, touchless delivery, curbside pickup, all that kind of stuff. Third-party delivery systems obviously had a complete windfall here. But that's a bitter pill, as you know, because a lot of the well-knowns, and we won't, we don't need to name any names, but all those third-party delivery services take 20 to 35% of the ticket, which really, really hurts, you know? So I want to talk about your delivery function, but before I do, you know, I came across uh, a really interesting Instagram post that just sort of brings it to life for operators. And it's a restaurant in Los Angeles, uh, Ronan. And it says, we just got our year-end financials back. Not only do we lose money, a given in the pandemic at all, but to add insult to injury, we spent $35,000 on delivery service fees this year. Yes, we get charged 20% of your order every time you order from us. You know, And then it says something about a modest 1500 of that 35000 was a flat fee that covers two years of those services. And they're actually giving you know different links and different platforms to order from to save them that money. I mean, so many operators have really struggled with that. It's like they didn't have time. I mean, the planning thing, right? The pandemic hits, they have to figure out in an instant what to do next. And here's an easy opportunity, but it's going to cost me money. You know, do I really have time to figure out a better way? No, but now there's a better way. So tell us about your delivery piece and how you can save operators those expensive fees. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's sad in a lot of ways, right? Because it's almost like uh, the early days, of, and it still goes on today, that are sort of credit card trolling where they go after the underbanked and knew that they would get the fees and, and could because they were in a tough situation. Mm. COVID was no different, right? Folks had to sign up for things uh, like delivery, third-party delivery that were just taking advantage of a situation. We even had, you know, and I'm sure you've seen the articles, we had a host of customers who were having some of these delivery players redirect what looked like the restaurant site to their site so they could actually pump orders through them. So we've tried to reverse a lot of that. We obviously have integrations with uh, the three biggest players there. Um, and that is an offer if they want to do it, but it's, you know, negotiate and, and, don't just go into this saying yes to everything. There is there is wiggle room there. And then we're also working with a host of brands around leveraging their um, employee base that may not have, have the hours in store, but already understand the menu, already understand the routes, already understand the local community. So why not throw shirts on them that are actually shirts that are already wearing, that are your branded shirts, and have them actually be your delivery arm. That won't always scale, and obviously the big cities and other places, but it's it's been successful for a lot of our partners. Thirdly, it's it's around directing them again, and I think actually Google just introduced this. I noticed with Google food ordering, it says preferred by restaurant, right? Because of economics, when you pull up the choice and you see the five normal players, there's a preferred button, and we're playing that role for a lot of our partners. And if they don't play with Google food ordering, we're doing that ourselves, which is just promote your stuff and make it clear in a way, you know, in, in the first page of the UX to the consumer, because most consumers want to do the right thing by the restaurants, right? They don't want to see them lose twenty percent, but they. 90%, 95% of the world isn't like you and I where we're working in this day to day. They have no idea this is going on. I mean, they probably assume there is a fee, but they don't realize how big it is. So it's letting the consumer choose the right path and do the right thing. We found that throughout this, they always want to. Yeah, communication is key. You know, the customer 
doesn't care, shouldn't necessarily care about, you know, the challenges of running a business. But if you educate them in a tactful way, just let them know that, hey, you really appreciate their business. And this is what we've been up against with the pandemic. And thank you so much for your support. But this is the preferred method because it really helps us stay in business. I really like that approach. That's just such a smart business. John, we've covered a lot of ground today. Have we missed anything about Card Free? Is there anything that uh, you want to tell us about the platform itself or just about uh, best advice or best practices for operators that are using it? I, I, yeah, I mean, I think the, the platform itself, I think we covered it, but it's really just sort of designed for minimizing uh, the number of clicks, the number of sort of pain points for a consumer, right? So everything we do, whether it's order ahead, order in store, loyalty, payment, your offers, is all passed at one payload at the point of sale. So rather than, um, and this is back for the operator, rather than having to cobble together 17 different vendors to make your mobile commerce experience sort of work in this current mess, um, we are that one throat to choke and we um, sort of focus our entire business on handholding and getting folks into that place where they're comfortable and not having to go cobble those together. So I think that can save both a lot of time and frustration and on the consumer side, same thing happens, right? You don't, you're not having a loyalty program that the star drops five days after you did the offer. Everything happens in real time. And again, our, our goal is for the, the operator to own the data. It's not for some third-party delivery engine or um, a major search engine or whatever it would be to own the data. It's you or the operator own the data. Everything we're doing is white-labeled for you. It's about connecting you again to your consumer and letting you steer your boat to your successful path, hopefully, you know, coming out of this. I'm really glad you mentioned that because that is such a critical piece, owning your own analytics and data versus having the third-party companies control that. You pay the high fees. Yes, they perform a service, but now you can't communicate or market to those customers. So I think that's tremendous. That to, I'm so happy you asked that or mentioned that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's one use case. And then there's things like cards on file with a lot of these third parties. You don't even realize that the consumers that are registering the cards on file are going into their vaults and should it come time to come off that third-party service you have no way to communicate with these folks you have no way to have them pay easily so there's and there's believe me there's a hundred different use cases within there but it is absolutely about owning your own destiny and and we're here to empower your brand not to sort of try to leverage your customers for something we would do as an aggregate play so um it's important to us so the primary payment um applications yeah. google Google Pay and Apple Pay with uh, your platform, or do you work with others as well? Um, we work with anybody who's who's relevant in the space. Obviously, credit cards, gift cards, um, both those uh, Google Pay and Apple Pay have just been um, very convenient and streamlined as people check out these days, as you know, because obviously yes. it's it's dropping in things, it's it's minimizing cards being out there. Address uh, there is an e-com portion of this I should have mentioned too. That's been very interesting to see how people survive coming out of this, which is turning parts of their store or parts of their merchandise into an augment play for a restaurant that normally would have cared less about selling hats or their favorite hot sauce or whatever it would be. So we built that into the platform as well. But the ship to me for folks that can't travel but love the brand of whatever it would be in New York or Manhattan, I want to order stuff from them to support my local restaurant. So we built that in as well. What do you but call yeah. that? That's, a, that's very interesting as well. What is it called? It's a typical e-com play, right, that you'd see for an online store. But um, we've seen probably 10 to 20% of folks that were in the middle of this saying, saying, how can I still serve these folks that can't get here or are afraid to come in? Let yes. me buy your sauce or whatever it would be. So it's a, it's a ship to me functionality, but it was 
before this and pandemic, nobody cared about that necessarily. So it's, it's become very interesting. That is awesome. That is that is tremendous. I mean, yeah. I mean, restaurants have raving fans, but they're not necessarily, you know, able to visit these restaurants locally. They might be on vacation, discover a place, try something, love it. They know that the you know this particular restaurant will ship. I think that's awesome, and they continue the relationship even from afar. And that, that's great that you work with them. So you have a free demo, do you not? I mean, if someone contacts you, you'll walk them through all the ins and outs of the different pieces of Card Free? Absolutely, absolutely. For things like text-to-pay, it's, it's, it's incredibly important to have a visual of what that looks like, right? So the, the ability to send out a link and see somebody pay and show up and show at curbside and how uh, we do a whole bunch of geolocation. So we can take them through that. We can take them through order ahead. Uh, we can even skin it for them so they know what it would look like with their brand beforehand. But yeah, that's it's sort of again key to that hand holding experience. You've got to know that it's it's your brand experience, and you, you feel proud of what you're putting in front of the consumer. And you can get that at cardfree.com. <laughs> John, it's been my pleasure speaking with you and hosting you today in the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thank you so much for uh, being my guest. Thank you, Roger. Really appreciate it. Okay, audience, thanks so much for tuning in. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Stay well, everyone. Thanks for continuing to tune in and this week's episode. Again, new technology to help you run a stronger business. You know, a lot of you have been asking. Um, I have these weekly consultation calls, absolutely no obligation, and I really love talking shop with operators, but a lot of calls lately have been curious about what our Restaurant Rockstars Academy is really all about. Well, you know, I believe there are three fundamentals in running any super successful restaurant. I call it the magic dust of restaurants. It's literally three things. One, cost controls and profit maximization. Of course, it's a system. Number two, staff development, training, recognition, and rewards. Super important to build what I call your dream team staff, another system. Probably the most important of all during this labor shortage to find, keep, motivate, and get the most out of your staff so that they in turn are brand ambassadors for your business. And then number three, marketing firepower and what I call affinity, which is a really powerful sense of loyalty or belonging to your restaurant. These three things will literally transform your operation. So the Academy is a series of turnkey systems, plug and play, of course, videos, audio tutorials. I explain everything. It's all based on my 23 years of experience running super profitable restaurants. So check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. We really appreciate you tuning in, so please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to talk shop, reach out to me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.